think it would be hard to transition after that to anything less than a masterful Bible story, which is what we get to do. So, um, my name is Linda Stolfus, and I'm not a pastor or a theologian. I'm an occasional guest speaker on Sunday mornings, but I'm mostly a mom, and then I work two days a week as a psychotherapist. So, for those of you who don't me, know me, that's kind of the, the, what I bring to the table um, when I'm given the, the chance to speak. In our church, we've been going through some of the big stories of Genesis, and I think Cain and Abel is the perfect story for a psychotherapist, because <laughs> it's just so gruesome. Um, and yeah, it's intriguing. So what we've been doing is we've been starting our messages with first telling the story um, for the kids in our congregation. So it is the story time. So if anyone wants to come up who is short, (laughs) what? They're mostly here already. (laughs) So yeah, my kids can come up. Um, Josiah wants to come up. No pressure, but come on up. And I'm just... I'm not going to be as exciting as the others. I'm going to just read it. Um, But I think it'll be exciting. You guys ready? Do you want me to come closer? (laughs) I feel a little uh, on the spot doing it with my own kids. You want to sit down? Yeah, this is our. This is what we do every day. Just sit around. You can sit wherever you like, Irene. All right, the story of Cain and Abel. Who were these people? Were they cousins? Were they brothers? Are you guys brothers? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, now Adam. You have a sister. Oh, they, yeah, that's right. That's right. They don't have a sister. They have a sister eventually, though. All right, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. This time, his brother Abel. That's right. Does sound like. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. No, Cain! And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. That's not good. Um, Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, can you guys hear me if I let go of this? Okay, good. All right. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't not, I don't not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, uh, you're probably not hearing if I got a very aggressive responder here in front. A lot of vengeance toward Cain right now. Um, Okay, and Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Yeah, so Jethro's asking, what, what does a mark on him mean? Anyone want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, we don't really know. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a physical mark or something more, but it gave him protection. So when people saw him, if they wanted to kill him, they'd see a mark that said, if you touch this guy, you're in trouble. So it was a bit of a mercy from the Lord. But, but even, but maybe it's so that even people who came close to him who wanted to visit him, they couldn't come. Maybe it's so that he would always have some alone time. Oh, so so Jethro's saying that maybe it's Cain would be isolated. He said he'd have a lot of alone time with that mark. It's a good question. First tattoo. Thank you, Doug. It's really very good, very good. Um, so we're going to continue, but I'm going to give my kids a little coloring page. You guys go. Do you guys have any last thoughts about the passage? Any of the kids? No? we got to go find them. All right, you guys can go back. Any thoughts from the audience at large of the initial reading? Anything that strikes you? No pressure. I just thought it would be fair. (laughs) Eric. Yeah. Because to me, that's a mark of 
Yeah. Yeah, so Eric was saying he was struck by um, Cain's response when God asked him where Abel was. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And it's a, a sign of a detachment, a breaking in the relationship. So. Yeah, Marie. Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you, Lori. just interesting that there's like killing there's murder in this story or there's like oh well I killed him and maybe somebody will kill me and it's like hmm why did it go from these you know things that they were offering God to now it becomes about murder how did it get that drastic I guess yeah there's a real escalation in the plot I'm struck by um, God's question to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Hmm. It seems to me that if God had re- 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 did not respect me and did not respect my offering, that I would, my countenance would be fallen as well. Hmm. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I'm thinking that Cain and Abel must have known that they wanted an animal sacrifice or blood sacrifice from the beginning. Because mm. that's when uh, God clothed Adam and Eve, it was an animal sacrifice. Yeah, so there's like a bit of kind of um, neglect on Cain's part. You think that he knew, like he knew he wasn't giving the full offering, perhaps. Kermit. Um, I found myself musing about, um, gee, this seems unfair the, to expect an animal or blood sacrifice from the tiller of the ground. How do you expect a tiller of the ground to get an animal? And then, as I've, I, I think I've mused about this in the past, it's like, well, wait, he gave him a brother mm. who was a keeper of animals. Mm. And what was to prevent him from saying, hey, Abel, I'll give you a bushel of apples. I don't know. Yeah. And can you give me a sheep shank or whatever? You know, It's like, and I, it almost seems that, that that breaking of fellowship by refusing to ask for help within one's own family to serve God in community was a, a as big a breaking of fellowship as well murder's pretty intense I'm sorry but, but, but it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in terms of the There's in terms theme. of the community theme it's it's a, there, that yeah. was there was already a breaking yeah there's a theme there thank you Kermit and I'll kind of go from what Kermit said um do you want to, oh, yeah, yeah, go, Bobette. Sorry, I didn't see you. Yeah. I was just reflecting on that, again, when God asked um, Cain, why are you uh, angry? I think God was trying to start a dialogue, you know? And to me, at least, when my parents said things I didn't think were fair or 
whatever. I, I, would, I was kind of lippy and I would always say, why not? Why not? Why isn't this good enough? And Cain could have had that conversation with God because God was inviting him mm. into a dialogue. Why are, why are you upset? Yeah. I, I, if it were me, of course, my parents never asked me why I was upset. But if they had, I would have told them why I was upset. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a free parenting tip for myself. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I like... Okay, something about that, what you said about a dialogue um, strikes me as kind of the very nature of these biblical stories. They're kind of like, in my head, I kind of think of stories in like three large categories. This is not a literary scholar's take on this. This is just Linda's musings. There's like good stories that kind of like wrap you up in their plot they're like well-written, you know, any John Steinbeck or Tolstoy, just something that's entertaining. Um, you don't have to work hard, but it's deep. And then there's like kind of these like overt allegories, you know, like Animal Farm. Um, i trying to think of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. You know, it's kind of obvious what comparisons are being made. And those are like useful. I personally don't find them very like artistic you know they don't grab me they're kind of like a work to get through um, and then there's these like ancient stories um, the Genesis stories Jesus's parables um, you could probably throw in mythology and legends they're like kind of awful stories a lot of times they're difficult to read like Cain and Abel is it a pleasure to read this story it's kind of not you know, it's kind of um, dark and um, unpleasant. But it's also a bit enchanting, I would say. You know, there's not an overt lesson, but there's something that keeps us rereading them. You know, I read Snow White to my kids, like, probably every other day, maybe a couple times a day. And I never get tired of it. I never get tired of it. And it's not actually that pleasant of a story. You know, it's kind of redundant. And, but there's like hidden, there's like something in it that calls uh, to me and I think to, to humans because we keep reading it to our kids. And it's the same with these biblical narratives. There's something in the story of Cain and Abel that's not exactly a lesson, but you know there's something in it for you if you can get past the like offensiveness of it. There's something in it if you draw close. And I think it's like, kind of like God dialoguing with us. He's trying to, in these stories, like pull us in deeper to find the hidden life that these stories have for us. So that's kind of the feeling I had when I was um, reading through the story and preparing it. And I think it's the feeling we probably all have with these stories because we, as humans, you know, not even as Christians, like all humans really value these biblical narratives. They, they show up in other stories and people's writings and psychology. Um, so let's see, let's try to like think about what hidden life-giving riddles we might find today 
in this story. And um, I'm not going to cover everything in this story because there's a lot in it, but I'm going to cover my favorite parts today. <laughs> so um, one of my first favorite parts in this story is uh, in verse 4, um, the whole bit with the offering. Thanks, Lori. Um, when I read this story first to my kids, um, Jethro, kind of like Kermit, uh, first thing he said was, God's really unfair, you know? And I was like, at first wanting to correct him, like, God's never unfair. But I was like, no, it does feel like God's unfair. Like, this, this is kind of a, uh, a perplexing, ambiguous move on God's part. But then I thought, like, yeah, that's kind of like life. Life's kind of unfair. You know, you can work really hard at something and it comes to nothing. Or you feel like you're following a path God's been having you walk along and yet there's no fruit. I think that's like, just raise your hand if you've ever felt that's unfair. Like, life or God, something's unfair about my life. Okay. Yeah, so we can all really draw close to Cain, I think, in this feeling. He's not without reason to be upset. Um, so that part I like. That part draws me in. I'm like, there's something here for me, even if it's so ancient. I've never personally sacrificed anything on an altar physically. Um, but I get where, where Cain's coming from. And then the other part that draws me in is in verse 7. Um, when Cain's upset that his offering has been rejected, God starts chatting with him about it. And he, he encourages him. First he meets him in his feeling, and then he encourages him that there's a way through this. You know, there is a way you can thread this needle of what happened to you that will um, create something out of this for you. And when I read this, I, I thought of Matthew 7, verse 13, about, and it's on, I gave you guys these handouts, and I put some of these verses that I'm referencing on them for you, about the narrow gate. Um, in Matthew 7:13, Jesus says, "Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it." I have a distinct memory of being at a Christian conference in college and they were talking about this passage and really um, kind of calling the people at the conference to like consider that our life with Je following Jesus is, is narrow. There are like things we have to hold in tension. And I thought, no, it's not. <laughs> it's wide. Like following Jesus is a delight. It's easy, um, and I'm doing it right. And I was also single 
you know, I didn't have kids, and life was pretty easy. I think that was a pretty easy perspective. Since then, over the years, I felt like, gosh, it is a narrow road. Like, there's a lot of things to hold in tension. You know, like, I do feel like life gets unfair, and yet I do feel like God is coming alongside me. Sometimes I feel like, you know, as humans, we have to find such narrow ways to walk in situations. Like, as a, you know, like, as a psychotherapist, I see a lot of, like, you want to express your feelings and your grief, but you also don't want to start murdering people. You know, there's like a narrow lot, a narrow road in there. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that's so relatable. There's something calling me in this passage in that Cain is, is in this tight corner and we're there with him. Um, and there's a truth coming out about life. And then what does Cain do? Kills his brother. We were really rooting for him, you know. Um, I suspect, though, if he had done what God asked, we wouldn't really read the story over and over again. I don't know. Maybe that's a dark thought about it. But um, now, why, why do you think he chose this? Why do you think God's given him some really good tips here? What in him came out? Any ideas? Or thoughts. Yeah, Paul. His pride. You think it's pride? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good that's a good guess. Jethro. He's greedy. What's he greedy for? Mm. He wants to be liked better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doug. Jealousy. I think he was jealous of Abel. He was jealous of Abel. Yeah. Jealousy. Jealousy. Got a second on the jealousy. So, okay, we're like modern people. I mean, these are just raw emotions. What's the big deal here? Can't we just enlighten our way out of this? Surely we all think we would have made the better choice, right? Yeah, Eric? I'm struck by what God says to Cain. Cain, uh, I'm struck by what God says to Cain. When he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's desire for you, but you should rule over it. Mm-hmm. The rule over it piece is, the, is key because it's, it's like learn to discipline yourself mm. and you'll end up in a better place. It's it's like it's like an, an invitation to engage in spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Luther has one point. Sorry. <laughs> what you got, Lou? Cain is greedy. Cain is greedy. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I. Murray has a something she'd like to say too. I just I don't I don't really understand what Kane thought this would solve. Like mm-hmm. it seemed like he was. I mean, Abel was there too, and God respected Abel's, and he didn't respect Cain's, but really, Cain was upset at God, so he went and killed his brother. Like, I don't understand how he thought that that was going to solve it, or, like, what that was going to make better. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so this brings us to, like, yeah, some really good reflections. Maybe a way to solve these sort of problems we're thinking through is like, what is Abel? Like, who is Abel to Cain? I would think maybe Abel would be perfection. You know, he brought the right sacrifice. He was the one accepted by God. Um, So what is Cain doing by killing perfection? Maybe he's taking perfection off the table so he doesn't have to face rejection again. Um, And did it work? You know? Do we no longer have to deal with striving for an ideal? Striving for a right way? Did Cain solve that problem for us? No? Do you guys feel the call of the the right way at times in your life? Yeah, there's something that calls us. Um, in Hebrews 11.4, during, there's a, Hebrews 11 is a famous passage where um, there's just an outline of, of the heroes who, in the biblical stories, who showed faith, basically. And Abel makes an appearance, which is so funny because Abel was not a big... I mean, he was a big part of the story, but he wasn't a main participant in the story. He was kind of killed right away. But in Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God, testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. You know, there's still something about an ideal that even if in our anger we try to do away with it, we try to justify it out of life, it still haunts us. You know, it's still speaking to us. Um, Some some examples are like, well, I'll tell you something I see in my office a lot. Um, in my office, I see I work with kids and adults, um, and I get a lot of kids from split homes, from divorced homes, and they have even if they even if they never knew their parents together. Let's say when the kids were very young, a couple months old, their parents split. There's something about the ideal of having their parents together that haunts them. 
They need, they feel compelled to talk about it. They'll usually start with, my life's great, grades are good, and yeah, my parents are split, but I'm used to that. And then, like, session like six in, they're like, it's actually really hard that my parents are split. And these are all the reasons. And this is how it's affecting me. And there's something in them that knows that there was a harmony that was broken, and they would love to taste some of that harmony. Um, so there's, and the, this is like, I think this is kind of the maybe offensive part of the story of Cain and Abel is there are things that we don't get right in life and they still haunt us. And what are we to do with it? You know, are we to kill the ideals? I think that's a temptation. Um, you know, me and Zach have a lot of friends who got married around the same time as we did, and then for various reasons they've left the faith and then they've split up. And kind of a message we've heard from them as we've, as we've been friends is just like, faith, what a terrible thing faith is. I'm going to kill faith. I don't think it should exist. I think, you know, God isn't re- God wasn't really helping me. Um, so I'm kind of against religion. Religion triggers me, you know. Or um, marriage, the institution of marriage is also triggering, also shouldn't exist. There's like a real emotion there. You know, there's a real death to a whole idea of something. And it's a way of coping with a loss, you know, a sadness, a disappointment. And so I think that is such a relatable part of Cain's story. You know, if we can't have the right offering, if we can't have everything, then maybe some of these things we long for should just go away. And what does that do for us? Um, does that bring us peace? It seems like for a lot of people it doesn't result in peace because the ideal, the, the life-giving way of living as humans in the world still exists and we still live in the world with it. It's still speaking to us. Um, and... I just kind of wonder what, like Cain, what we need, like what we need in these moments to help us thread that needle, you know, to be upset, to be angry, to have grief in our life because, yeah, trouble exists and comes for us, but not to do away with the things that would offer us life. You know, when God comes to us and speaks to us, what would it take for us to listen to him. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. It's actually his blood from the ground that is speaking mm. and witnessing. And I would relate that to Christ's blood for us on the cross as our ultimate sacrifice. Ooh, that's really good, Paul. Yeah. A lot of these stories image Jesus in some way. Remind us of his 
sacrifice. Tom, do you want to say something? And you would know better than me, but and we don't know how old Cain and Abel are here. Yeah. But we've learned that, you know, teenagers and young adults tend to be impulsive. And they no. Don't think about the future. False. <laughs> right? They, yeah. they they think about the now and not the future. Yeah. And when I read in Hebrews where it says mm. by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. I mean the faith is that if I do this thing, that there will be some benefit somewhere in the future because mm. there's no obvious immediate benefit to an offering or a sacrifice. Yeah. And so part of the sin is saying I care about the now yeah. and not the later. Yeah. And faith requires us to think about the later. Yeah. I think that's also a good way of thinking about sacrifices in general in the Bible because sometimes they seem so archaic and primitive but it's like Oh, we make sacrifices in our life to better our future. And that's kind of what they were doing with God. Yeah. It's a great way to bring it home. And it, it's interesting how God um, talked to Cain and said he rejected him and his offering, you know, in, in, that, in those words. And then, and then he talked to him and he said, why are you sad? Because, you know, he's asking him, what is your heart? I, I, you know, I hear that and that, like, what mm-hmm. is your heart? You could have brought me your sacrifice, but maybe it was your heart, really, in the way that you brought that sacrifice. And maybe this is what you're saying. Um, but that was that was interesting to me. Like, why did he have to be jealous of Cain and have to do that type of sacrifice? Why couldn't he just bring what he had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, I had never noticed this before, but probably as a psychotherapist you did, but it says in verse 8 that Cain talked with Abel, and it's after that conversation that he killed him. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to know how that conversation went. Yeah. Just, it just struck me that Cain was the older brother. Because it says that um, Eve bore bore Cain, and then bore again. And there's parallels between that story and the prodigal son, mm-hmm. the younger son and the older son, mm-hmm. as well as other older and younger sons in the Old Testament that I can think of. So there's a pattern in Scripture having to do with older son feeling dutiful and yeah. jealous of the younger son who's dis- disrespectful or I mean there's a dynamic here which kind of jumps out at me all of a sudden in reading this yeah yeah there's kind of endless puzzles here to work out <laughs> and they're all very useful I would say that you know, just that dynamic would be interesting to explore. Um, I guess I want to, what I want to offer today for us is a bit of a picture. You know, this story, it's 
it's simple in its elements, it's easy to draw up in our mind, so that we could have some sort of medicine for when we feel life has become incredibly unfair or we've become incredibly discouraged and we might feel like murdering something. <laughs> not, you know, I'm not talking about physically murdering something, but murdering something in us. Murdering something that would give us life, um, that would show us the narrow way through the trouble. And I think something that could help us would be to just draw the story up and consider it. Um, stories are easy to remember and maybe this would help us dialogue with God in those moments of frustration and consider what would it be like to grieve and be sad but try to still not make my world a more difficult place but find some way to get life out of this situation so that's kind of the I think the enchanting part of the story, there's, it's kind of about death, it's about being kicked out, but there's also something in here for us to take and then let it fester and grow in a good way, not fester, take root <laughs> um, and, and help us grow in, in our resolves, in our wisdom, in the very tricky puzzles life gives us. Any final thoughts from anyone? I wanted to make sure we had time to discuss it in tables so you could share just from your life or how it's striking you personally with the people around you. But any last burning observations? Yeah, Penny. It just strikes me that there are... This is partly about rules and protocol, you know. And you know, we're we're wondering truly, like, what, why, why, Lord, didn't you like Keynes? And we're making guesses, but we we don't really know. Just like there are these, are there. It makes me a little afraid. I just have to say, are there, there are the, all these rules that I don't know about that I'm not doing right? What is it to give a, a sacrifice anyway? What's a good way and what's a bad way? You know, it just it just feels a little uh, makes me feel uncertain. It just it just seems so. Um, they it's vulnerable in what they're offering, and I feel vulnerable too about that. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. It kind of makes me think maybe Cain's reaction was because he was feeling awfully vulnerable. And instead of being able to sit in it, there was a need to compensate um, with anger, hiding his sadness, oh. something like that. Yeah, I, I've been having a thought develop, which actually perhaps is in dialogue with Penny's mm -hmm. concern. And that is, you know, one way I read through this is, okay, God must have told them exactly what he wanted. And 
Abel came through and Cain dropped the ball. However, it occurs to me that it might also be possible that God is revealing himself in relationship and in process and in experience. And so he said, Give, bring me an offering. Hmm. Or maybe he didn't even say bring me an offering, but, but they both brought an offering. And then God reveals, you know what? This I really like. This, not so much. And Cain could have had a humble response and say, oh, I've learned something about God. In this moment, God is calling for a blood sacrifice. How can I fulfill that? What resources do I have in my community? I have a brother. I wonder if he could help me out. And instead, he chose pride over humility. He chose revenge over uh, acceptance. And we have this story recorded, which could have gone a completely different way. It could have been a, a positive role model story, how they worked together and they built a community together. But that's not the story we have. Yeah. And that's not the story in our lives either, right? Right. Like we don't all live these balanced, kind of above all emotion lives. We have passions to deal with. Babette? I think in all these stories throughout the Bible, not just Genesis, I thought about it with Adam and Eve too, it's as much about what isn't said as what is said. And we instantly in this story went, why was that sacrifice not acceptable? And we've also gone immediately to the word God rejected Cain. It doesn't say anywhere in there that Cain was rejected. His sacrifice and he at that moment, were not, his decision for that sacrifice was not respected. God actually doesn't come down on Cain until Cain shows his anger and doesn't respond to God. And that's when God says, be careful, be careful, you're about, you're at the door of sin mm -hmm. right now. That's the moment to me that this gets serious. That's the moment that I kind of start looking, okay, what does this have for me? It's not, I don't think it was, I think it is important to God that we, we follow that into that narrow path and stuff. But he's about relationship and about how we're going to respond to whatever, and we will never make it. He, we, we know from our journey through the Bible that God is quite clear we will never make it based on our sacrifices or doing it perfectly. What he's trying to do, it feels like to me over and over, is to have a relationship and inviting us into that relationship with him. So if we get stuck like Cain did on what, why am I not acceptable? 
Well, no, he didn't get stuck on that. He just got stuck in his response to what, to his not being acceptable instead of learning. I mean, if that's what we take away from this, I feel I've missed the point if that was what I took away from this. Because I think God is trying, even when, even when he does that punishment and says, okay, well, you're never, the thing you think is so acceptable, I'm going to take away from you. He doesn't even say, you'll never be acceptable to me. He just says, you will never be able to offer that sacrifice again, right? The, the thing that, that, that you're, you keep trying that you think this is about, mm -hmm. it isn't about. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's my dyslexia or something, but I, if I read verse 6 here, it yeah. says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. So yeah. I think he was asking him, like, what's the deal? Why are you upset? You yeah. know, I just said you need to have a better sacrifice or you need to come with a better attitude or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting that we read over that even that the Lord was even ask, saying he could be accepted. Yeah, yeah, I don't think any rejection ultimately came from God. I think Cain was rejecting his own very being. You know, like him and his brother, they're like, they share the same DNA. And he kills his brother, and he kills his ideals, and he kills his target. What has he got to do? He has to flee. Um... And so I think, yeah, it's something about, like, God doesn't reject us, but we will, we will reject ourselves and our better, the things that are good for us in sort of a self-sabotaging way at times. Zach. Preach it. <laughs> like from the, the Hebrews 11.4 verse that you yeah. shared, the difference was faith that if Cain would have come with a sacrifice uh, backed by faith, that uh, it would have been accepted. The outcome mm. would have been different. And I think that kind of relates back to um, something that we all deal with, maybe to your other point. Like, when when I think about, like, what it looks like to be a Christian, uh, it's, you know, like, the ideal is like a life filled with faith where, I'm walking with God and where things uh, maybe have an air of perfection about them. And um, that's, I think, what I think of when I, when I think of this passage. It's like Cain couldn't have what he wanted. He couldn't walk in faith with God. And so he pushed it away in his own way. Well, I want oh, one more thing, and then we're going to have it. That's okay. It's good. I love the discussion. Something I uh, have been thinking about as everyone's speaking is yeah. we're kind of talking about, like, individual choices that are made, like Cain's individual choice, Abel's individual choice. But, like, hmm. the Adam and Eve are still in this story. Like, we don't 
like I assume they're still alive in this like and they're mm-hmm. a family like what are we not knowing or understanding from the story of like what are Adam and Eve's part in it because they knew like the breaking of the relationship they made with God in the garden mm-hmm. and the like what sort of conversations maybe that are not on this page were had about like making a sacrifice to God or what is involved with that or did Cain talk to his parents yeah after the incident and or like was there like did Cain have so much shame that he isolated himself like this is a the it would have been a, a tight family unit even if they had different yeah. things that they were doing and yeah no one else of, around yeah <laughs> Like, they weren't in total isolation, yeah. but, like, our life of faith and the decisions we make are important for, like, the life of the community, like, walking yeah. in faith together. But well, Cain to, chose to isolate himself. Yeah, and to your point, the stories of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel are super similar. Yeah. You know, there's, like, the sin, you know, God coming, the lie, and then they have to flee. You know, it's like the same thing that Cain goes through. So there's definitely like a pattern. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap us up. Um, I just hope this gives you a little something to think about as you're reading Cain and Abel, you know, to kind of get a little re-enchanted with the story if it's been a while or to push past some of the gruesomeness of it to find what life it can offer us. Um, Peter, I'll have you come up and do some announcements. Yeah, I'll pray for us. Yeah, well, Jesus, we we really are just um, so grateful for these stories you've given us. Yeah, there's something about the way Well, we know that you knit us together and then you offered us this perfect map for our souls in your word. And so, God, I ask that you would um, just awaken us, Lord, that you would um, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear from you, God. Yeah, that we would... um, value your wisdom and that you would just excite our hearts to be um, following you in this life, trusting you in this life. Yeah, in your name we pray. Amen.